study God's word? How many of you grew up in church back in the day when the funeral homes put the fans in the seats? Anybody remember that? Yeah, I remember that, my grandma's church. They didn't have air. The only air they had was however fast that wind was blowing through the window. So it's still a little cooler than that. Praise God. All right, get your Bibles out. Open it up to John's Gospel, chapter 5. I'm going to be reading John chapter 5, beginning with verse 1 here in just a moment. I want to ask, have you ever felt like you were stuck? Have you ever felt like you were in a, just symbolically, a mud hole, and you were just spinning your wheels, exerting all kinds of energy, you had all sorts of RPMs running, but you weren't going anywhere? I remember years ago, I, everybody can feel that way, I remember years ago, this is, this is in the natural, one of my farm stories, I stayed out in a field too long and a rainstorm came through. I wanted to get that particular piece of land. Uh, I was running a plow that day. We wanted to get it done and completed so we didn't have to go back to it. And I was trying to beat the rainstorm. Didn't quite beat it. The rain came down. The field turned into a big old mud pile. And I, I ended up getting the tractor stuck. It's really hard to get a gigantic John Deere. I think it was a 4430. It's really hard to get those stuck. And yours truly got it stuck. And I'll never forget thinking to myself, probably being about 15, 16 years old, oh, I didn't even know the Lord. And I said, oh, dear God, my uncle's going to shoot me. And uh, they ended up getting me pulled out anyway. We got out of the mud hole, but, but that's just a natural illustration of what happens to so many people that it seems like somehow, some way in your life, you get into a mud hole and you feel stuck. You may feel like you're stuck in a marriage that's lost its love. You may feel like you're stuck in a financial situation that you have no answers to. Some of you may feel stuck spiritually and you're going nowhere. You feel like you're stuck emotionally. You might feel like you're stuck at a job that you can't get out of. You're stuck at a place in life or at a level in life that you should have got out of a long time ago. At least that's how you feel. And here you are today coming into the house of God saying, Pastor, I feel like I'm spinning my wheels in life. Does anybody besides me ever feel like that from time to time? Two, three of you. All right, looks like more than that. Well, I want to talk this morning on what I've entitled, How to Get Unstuck. Wouldn't that be good to know? How to Get Unstuck in Life. I want to read to you out of John's Gospel, chapter 5. An interesting story. You'll recognize it. Many of you will. John 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water... Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. 
Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. How to get unstuck in life. Now here's a man who has apparently been stuck. He's been stuck in his condition for nearly 38 years. And apparently, he was hanging around a lot of other stuck people. How many of you know birds of a feather? (laughs) It's not in the Bible, but it's pretty true. Jesus saw this man who was stuck, and he could see that he'd been in this condition for quite a long time. How many of you realize that there's something about a stuck person that makes it easy to get a word of knowledge concerning them? There's a... There's a sound a stuck person makes. There's a vibe that a stuck person gives off. Sometimes the vibe is frustration. Sometimes the vibe is bitterness. Sometimes it's anger. Sometimes it's self-pity. There can be numerous vibes and words and sounds, but everyone, everyone pretty much can identify a stuck person. But Jesus comes along and he helps this man get unstuck. In fact, of all the stuck people at Bethesda that day, he was the only person who got unstuck. Now, let me just share with you just for a moment and just let you know that that even I as a pastor have feelings of being stuck. I felt like I've been stuck a time or two in life. There have been moments I felt like I was stuck, believe it or not, being a pastor. Can you believe that? Lord, why would would you just stick me here? I felt stuck in in Charleston. There have been moments I felt stuck in the city that God put me in. There have been moments I felt stuck in unforgiveness. I felt stuck in my bitterness. I felt stuck in the ministry. I felt stuck emotionally. I mean, there are moments when life just doesn't seem to be happening and it doesn't matter what area, venue, or feeling, all of a sudden you feel stuck. Now, why do I tell you this? It's because nobody is exempt from feeling stuck. Everybody here has felt stuck at their job, stuck in their relationship. Just stuck. You're just, you're stuck. If you're a young person, I'm stuck at home. Somehow I'm stuck at this school. I'm stuck. Everybody feels stuck. And the reason this story is in the gospel is because Jesus wants all of us to know nobody's exempt from feeling stuck. But I believe it's time to get unstuck. Not one or two people, but I believe it's time for God's people to get unstuck. Now, the question is, how did this man get unstuck? Maybe we can learn something from this man who apparently got unstuck from his situation. There are five things that we can learn here that uh, I just want to touch base with you on. Number one is this. How this man got unstuck. you got to begin to recognize when you're hanging around stuck people. you got to recognize when you're hanging around stuck people. Now, here in John chapter 5, there were multitudes of stuck people. And all of them are here waiting for something to happen. They're all living under this philosophy. It's interesting. They all have the same worldview. They all have the same philosophy that only the first one in the pool, when it gets stirred, gets unstuck. 
And so what their philosophy began to teach all of them there is this, that the vast majority of people might as well get used to remaining stuck in their situation. Stuck people are normal. If you feel stuck, that's just the way it is. I mean, if you actually get unstuck, you're the exception to the rule. So can you imagine their conversations that they were having as they were waiting for the, for the stirring of the waters and they're talking to each other in their stuck condition? They're having conversations. They had lots of time to talk to each other. So their conversation are things like this. Hey, man, what are you stuck in? Well, let me tell you what I'm stuck in. <laughs> I'll tell you what, nobody's stuck worse than I am. Nobody has, nobody has a situation they're stuck in like mine is stuck in. I mean, I'm just here to tell you, I win the award first place for stuck. I, I mean, you all ought to pave the way. It ought to be the worst stuck person ought to get there first. We ought to, we ought to just decide who the worst stuck person here. Don't you know, this is stuck central. Come lay over here. We've got a stuck support group over here that we can... We can all commiserate with each other as to how stuck we are. And then there's someone over here, they're marketing their stuck. I've got a book on stuck over here and some tapes on stuck over here that you can listen to. How many of you know you can have all the tapes and books on getting unstuck? But if your mentality is that not many people get unstuck, then you probably won't be unstuck. Then there's the dude over here. He's making the bumper sticker. Praise God, I'm stuck but forgiven. So we need to start recognizing the way we think. The way you think is keeping you bound. The way you think is keeping you sick. The way you think is keeping you unchanged because you live with a group of stuck people. Stuck friends probably aren't the ones that are going to help you get unstuck. So you've got to recognize, number one, when you're hanging around stuck people, and sometimes stuck people don't always have what you need. Number two, do you really want to get unstuck? You know, Jesus looked at the man, and he said these words. He said, do you want to be made well? Jesus looked at the guy for 38 years, remember now, and he says, do you want to get unstuck? Now think about it. What kind of a question is that? <laughs> of course I want to be unstuck. I'm at the pool. This is the pool where you have possibilities of getting unstuck. Isn't it obvious, being here with all these stuck people, that I want to be unstuck? Isn't it obvious that this is where stuck people come? It would seem to me that's a silly question, Jesus. Apparently not so. Because a lot of people claim to want change. A lot of people claim to want to get unstuck. They declare that they want to rise to a new level. In fact, they even sort of gather around the places where people get unstuck. Well, they come to church. Of course, I'm in church. If I'm not in church, well, then that would dem demonstrate I wouldn't want to be unstuck. But obviously, if I'm in church, I want to be unstuck. I went to encounter. Obviously, I want to be unstuck. Of course I want to change. Of course I've, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I do what's expected of me. But inside, they've grown accustomed to their situation. They've learned to live with being stuck. 
The reality is that unless their inward state changes, their outward state never will. You will remain stuck. So the question really is, do you want to be well? Do you really want to get unstuck in life? Or have you grown so accustomed to your condition that you're no longer fighting for change? Have you just given up that you could ever be unstuck? Have you just laid down? Are you just going through the motions? Do you want to be free? Are you ready to shake loose of the sin that so easily besets you? Do you really want your marriage to work? Do you want to have joy back in your life? I mean, do you want to get peace? Do you want to get rest? Do you want to live whole? Or have you just simply negotiated some sort of treaty with something and you decide that you are going to remain and live in your stuckness? I remember the other day I had some friends, probably minister friends, and we were going to Mount Pleasant to eat dinner. This is some time ago now, but we were driving in the vehicle and we were doing 526 to get around quicker. And we got right over there close to, what is that, the Don Moreland Bridge? Don Holt Bridge. West, yeah, it's Westmoreland Don Holt. See, I don't, I've lived here 11 years, don't even know the names of the bridges. And we were right next to the paper plant. Everybody know where the paper plant is? Well, you know, we drive by there a lot, all the time. So we're driving by right there, and all of a sudden the friends in the car start doing this. Then they looked over at me. I said, no, no, wait, 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 wait. You know, Charleston's got two issues. We've got the marsh, and we've got the paper plant. And you can blindfold a person, take them anywhere in the country, but they'll know when they've come back to Charleston. Isn't that true? So they're, they're in there, and they're just, you know, they're making all these strange... And I'm going, no, no, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. You know, because they were heading for the window, you know. I said, no, don't, whatever, don't put down the window. That ain't going to make it any better. So, and, 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 and it, was, it was funny because I said, no, 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 that, that's, that's the marsh and the paper plant. You know, try, try explaining that to a visitor or a guest sometime. That's really an interesting conversation. Anyway, it, 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 it's the paper plant. It's, 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 it's the marsh. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, we drive by there all the time, and, and when we first moved to Charleston, we used to always make all sorts of jokes about the paper plant and the smells of Charleston, but, but we have lived in this city for so long now that the marsh smell will come and the paper plant smell will come, and we've just learned to live with the stink. Some of you that are longtime residents here in Charleston, it's the same way. You've learned to live with it, the stink. I mean, I, don't, I have always wondered why people will pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for Marsh property just to get that smell. Good Lord, have mercy. Do you know some people have learned to live with the stink in their life? Yeah, they have. Your life stinks. And you live in it. Your relationship stinks, and you just learn to live in it. You've, you're living with the stench of your marriage, the stench, 
The stench of, of your relationship, the stench of your attitude, the stench of your spiritual state. You've lived in it so long, it's become a normal smell to you. It stinks, and everyone else knows it stinks, but you've just lived in it long enough that it doesn't bother you at all. So you have to understand, to get unstuck and out of the stink, you have to begin to draw a line in the sand and say, enough. You can no longer accommodate the smell. You have to refire your desire. You have to shake off your complacency. You have to quit laying down and start rising up and saying, I want to get unstuck. Do you know the first step to getting unstuck is saying, I want it. I want unstuck. And if you'll say that, you're well on your way. Number three, Jesus says to the man, recognize when you're hanging around stuck people, you really have to want getting unstuck. And then number three is you've got to quit shifting the blame. This is what the man says. He says, I have no man to help me in. That's what he said. He says, I've got, I've got no man to help me in. Now, I'm going to translate that one little phrase. You've got, to have, you've got to have a graduate degree in Greek to get this translation. I'm going to translate it right now. Here we go. My being stuck is not my fault. I'm stuck because others have not come through for me. I'm stuck because others have dropped the ball, and that's why I'm here. It's not that I really want to be stuck, but other people aren't doing what they need to do to get me unstuck. I am in this condition, Jesus, because my friends haven't helped me. I'm in this condition because my church hasn't helped me. My family has not been there for me like they should have been. You need to understand, it's not my fault. I'm, I'm doing the work. I'm where I'm supposed to be. But nobody's coming through for me. Jesus looks and basically says, quit shifting the blame. We used to tell a funny story back when I was playing baseball of a, of a baseball coach who was getting mad at his center fielder because every time a ball would be hit in his direction, he'd mess it up, bumble it around, drop the ball. And so finally the coach got, got mad and he, he grabbed the center fielder and he said, give me your glove and I'll show you how to do it. So the coach went out to center field and the first ball that was hit in his direction took a bad hop and it came up and hit him right square in the mouth. The next ball that was hit to the coach out there in center field got, got in the sun and and he couldn't see it, and he, and he lost the ball in the sun, and he missed it. Then there was another hit. It was a routine fly ball, and he went running across trying to catch it, and he dropped that one too. Until finally the inning ended, and he ran back into the dugout, and he grabs the center fielder, and he says, You idiot! You have center field so messed up that even I can't do anything with it. That's blame-shifting you got to quit the blame shifting and understand that if you want to get unstuck, it's not their fault. It's not what they should have done. It's what you need to do. Number four, quit finding excuses. The man here says to Jesus, after he says, I have no man to help me in, he says, others always step in before me. I'm going to translate this one too. You're getting a Greek lesson today. I'm going to translate this too. This is what he means. He says, I always get the bad break. People just wiggle their way around me. Life's not fair. Somebody's always stealing my opportunity. They're always overlooking me. Nobody's helping me. 
Nobody in any way, shape, or form is making a path for me. The only thing that this particular passage was missing was this. Wham! That's all it was missing. Wham! I ran across this. I've read this before. You may have heard this. But do you realize people, people, people love to make excuses? And uh, I just want to read to you. These were actual excuses on an insurance form, an insurance accident form that people wrote down and handed in to their insurance carrier as to the reason why they were in an accident. Now listen to this. These are actual quotations. For instance, an invisible car came out of nowhere, struck my car, and then vanished. <laughs> I've been driving my car for 40 years when I fell asleep at the wheel and had an accident. I reached the intersection, a hedge sprang up and obscured my vision. I'm just reaching, I'm reading. This is a good one. I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and headed over the embankment. <laughs> the pedestrian had no idea which direction to go, so I ran over him. The guy was all over the road and I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. I mean, these are literal excuses that we make instead of taking responsibility. It is time to quit making excuses. I was just thinking the other day because, you know, there are all sorts of hot uh, political topics that will clamor for our attention here in an election year. And, and I... I'll just tell you right off the bat, I'm, I'm, I'm so out of politic mode, I can't even tell you how dis disconnected I am this particular season. But having said that, you can't help but hear all the different things and, 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 and ideas and issues that are popping up. And can I just share something with you that I thought of the other day? I don't really care if you're a Democrat or a Republican. I'll offend both of you if you hang around here long enough. So it doesn't matter to me what your political party is. And I don't particularly care what you think on this topic either, because the big hot topic, you know, is immigration, immigration policy. And we listen to all this clamoring around on what we're going to do with all the illegal immigrants. Now, can I just share something with you that just struck me the other day? I don't care what you think. Just go with me for just a moment with this. People come to this country because they were stuck in a country going nowhere. They had nothing to their name, they had nothing with regards to a future, and they want to begin to move forward. And so they do what they have to do to get unstuck in order to begin to have a future for themselves. And we Americans, we gripe about it because we live in an excuse-oriented society that says this, well, somebody took my job, that was, I needed that job. Are you with me? If we'd just get up and go after it, we wouldn't have to worry about all of this. we got to quit making excuses. Now, I'm not saying, you, oh, yeah, maybe we need to secure a border. Maybe we need to work on some legal things. I don't know. It's too big a matter for me. But the point being is this. There are a lot of people who are stuck in life and are so committed to getting unstuck, they're breaking out of all their excuses. They'll cross any boundary, go over any border. They'll go anywhere, anytime, across numerous miles to get unstuck. Not us, though. 
By God, the government needs to come and spoon feed me. And we wonder why we're stuck. It is time to get unstuck. If you don't like where you live, then what are you going to do to get unstuck from where you live? If you don't like your neighborhood and you feel stuck there, then what are you going to do to get unstuck? It isn't your parents' fault. It isn't your grandparents' fault. It isn't the government's fault. It's your fault. You get to choose whether you're going to get up and get moving and get unstuck. Now, number five, after we go through all of this, number five is we've got to obey what the Lord tells us to do. Jesus said, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Now, I don't know whether that would have made sense or not, but apparently there was something in him at that moment, even though it may have transcended his logic, that he said, I want to get unstuck so bad I'll just obey. Do you realize that if you want to get unstuck, you're going to have to start obeying God? You can't sit there and violate his word and violate what he's told you and think you're going to be unstuck in life. It doesn't work that way. In fact, more than likely, God is telling you to do something that you really don't want to do, but it's what he would ask of you to do, and until you do it, you'll keep spinning your wheels. This man who was stuck was waiting. He was waiting on another person to get him unstuck. He was waiting on an angel to show up to get him unstuck. He was waiting for the right timing to get unstuck. And Jesus came and broke through all that nonsense, and he says, if you want to get unstuck, then obey me. What's the Lord said to you? Have you obeyed or did you just reason your way out of it? Here, here's, the, here's the choices in life. Obey or stay stuck. That's it. We either obey what God has said or we keep spinning our tires. Now, I'm closing right now, believe it or not. Of course, it could be a long closing. So, um, 1 Kings chapter 17. Turn there because I want to read you a story about a widow woman. Who I want to talk, you want to talk about being stuck? She was stuck. 1 Kings 17, let me read you this story real fast. And we really are coming in for a landing. It says this, 1 Kings 17, verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, meaning Elijah, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear... Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first, and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, According to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Now, I read that to you to simply underscore that this widow represents, I think, many, many people in the church today. She was stuck. She was stuck in a situation that she had no way out of. 
There was famine in the land. She had run through all of her provisions. She had no oil. She had no flour. She was at the end of a rope. And all of a sudden, God sends this prophet through her household. And through him, God asks her to do something ridiculous in order to receive the miraculous. Now, Jesus in the Gospels would later mention this woman because apparently she was a rare breed of person. I mean, can you imagine that, that this widow who was on the brink, really, of preparing for her death ends up not only receiving a miracle, but Jesus ends up using her and, and she is memorialized forever and her story in the Gospels because she's this, this rare breed of a person. She was the only one that was open enough to receive the radical idea that God was introducing to break the deadlock of famine, to break this, this, this stuckness of being in lack. And there are so many today, it isn't just legacy, but it's in the body of Christ at large. We have, we have Christians all over the place that are stuck. And the reason they're stuck is because they, they are unwilling to risk everything and to let go of some things. And they're unwilling to let go of what's not working in order to embrace God's plan. Isn't that strange? Everything in our life we're doing in order to somehow get ourselves unstuck and it ain't working. So what do we do? We just work harder at it. That seems like that's insanity to me. I mean, why wouldn't someone let go of what's not working? I don't know. I wish I did, but it tends to be the norm. Some will stay in their rut their entire life. They will never break out of it. They will live at a level in life that they know is not working, but they'll do it day after day after day, and that rut that they're living in eventually becomes their grave. They cannot or they will not be open to anything new that God might want to give them or do for them. They just keep working the plan. I'm just going to keep working it, working it, working it, working it. And they get the same results and it's insanity, I'm telling you. But God had a plan to get this woman unstuck. Now here's the thing that just leapt out to me. He couldn't do it alongside her plan. She had a plan. Now don't misunderstand me. The woman had a plan. She said, I'm going to make a cake and die. Isn't that a good plan? Make a cake and die. That was her plan. But her plan was so far removed from God's plan that they couldn't work in conjunction together. It was one or the other. Not a little bit of hers and a little bit of God's. That's sort of our problem these days. We're, we're a little bit obedient. What we're going to do is we're going to keep a little bit of what we want and we'll obey God just a little bit, but we still want full reward. It doesn't work that way. She had to abandon her thoughts and her plans and her ways if she wanted to get unstuck. Some of you need to realize that God's plan to get you unstuck is not even in the same ballpark with the plans you're making. You think you know how to get unstuck. Well, if you could have got unstuck, don't you think you would have been by now? Your plan is not the same plan as God's plan. And so our choice is that we either abandon our thoughts and accept his plan because you're not going to get unstuck any other way but our problem is is that when there comes these moments of radical obedience we all of a sudden you know get back in the fort raise up the scuds protect ourselves get in full protection mode we've got to learn what it means to go with God in some of these things the woman never would have gotten all that she received from the Lord if she hadn't broken her alabaster jar 
and broke it and had all that expensive perfume just flow all over the feet and the, uh, beneath Jesus. And all the disciples, and even disciples, sometimes they don't get it. The disciples were, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, don't you know we could have used this to feed the poor? Don't you know we could have, we could have, we could have? Well, don't you know that there was a woman that needed to get unstuck? And she did something that violated your sense of logic, but God had a plan. I have found that oftentimes people who are stuck aren't stuck because God has not talked to them, but they remain stuck because they refuse to obey. I mean, I can just tell you my life. I find when I get stuck, I usually have to say, okay, obviously there's something going on here that I need to look at by way of obedience. And usually it's a simple act of obedience that gets me loose from that mud hole, that gets me moving forward again. I want you to remember, God says, if you will, I will. He never says, I will, whether you do it or not. Never. Show me that in Scripture. He never says that. It says, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God, then will I. He never says, I will, if you will, sometime down the road, and then we can negotiate that. God doesn't say that. God looks for obedience. If you will, I will. If you'll be obedient, I'll move for you. I'm not looking for halfway obedience. I'm not looking for negotiated obedience. I'm not looking for a little, you know, a little move on your part so you can see me move massively. I'm talking about you obey and I'll open up everything for you. You say, well, pastor, what happens if I, if I may have missed an opportunity? You know, some of God's opportunities, let me just share this. I, I, this is from my experience. I believe that some of God's opportunities do have a shelf life. But I'm going to teach you something here I, hope, I want you to get. I believe some of God's opportunities do have a shelf life. In other words, he's not going to keep dangling things in front of us forever. There comes a moment when, 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 when things expire. And that's gone. Now the question is, the question that I'm always asked is, well, then what do I get, plan B? Or do I get plan C? Or how does, how does that work? Well, first off, you need to understand this. That if, that if you missed an opportunity, number one is, and you know you missed it, have you repented yet? Because if you miss the will of God, then that, my friend, is S-I-N. That's sin. If you miss the will of God, that's sin. And you've got to repent and ask God to forgive you for not seizing an opportunity that he was waving in front of you to embrace. If you, if you know that there was an opportunity you should have embraced and you didn't embrace it, which means you walked away from it, that means you were in rebellion. Yes, you win. So you know what? Atonement for rebellion isn't that you're just more obedient next time. Are you with me? Atonement for rebellion is repentance. That's why we're so messed up in the body of Christ, because we think we atone for our sins by just doing better the next time. Well, you ought to do better the next time. Amen. But the truth of the matter is, unless you repent for the sin that was committed, then, you, then you've got open doors there. And, and that's why repentance is such a key issue. So you've got to repent and you've got to ask God to forgive you. And then secondly, then you say, God, what do I do from here? And you know what? I, am, I, I just thought of a little illustration that helped me think about and consider how it is that God works in my life if I miss those windows of opportunity. And this is the good news. Some of you, how many of you have a, a GPS system maybe in your car? Some, you know how GPSs work? You, you know, you kind of put in your address or whatever, and it will, some of you have a lady's voice. 
turn left. Turn right. And it'll have this nice, sweet voice that'll come out telling you which way to go in order to get to where you ultimately want to land. Well, what happens on some of those GPS systems if you miss a turn or, or you go a different direction? What happens? It immediately what? Reroutes. It'll say, you missed your turn. Rerouting. And it'll suddenly scramble and it will begin to reroute you back another direction in order to get you where you need to be. I started thinking about that and I said, you know, I believe that's probably a lot like how God works. That when we take wrong turns and when we willfully go off the path and, and what he does is he has this view that's totally different from our view and he can begin to reroute us. Now listen to me, the, 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 the closest distance between two points is called a straight line. And in order to get to point A to point B in its swiftest fashion, you've got to move in a straight line. Now if you don't go to point A and to point B, as you should, you can, you can go, it can take a long time to get there. But the good news is this, you can still get to God's best for you if you will say, I missed the turn, I missed the mark, I've wanted it my own way, I'm sitting here spinning in the mud, I'm ready to get out, and God will reroute you. But you've got to want that. You've got to begin to enter into that. And the good news is God wants to get us out of the mud. Amen. Slosh and mud. Some of us are in the mud. We've got to get out of the mud. We're stuck in the mud. We got to, we've got to get out of the mud. And the good news is that God can get everyone in this room this morning out of the mud. He can get everyone in this room out of the condition of spinning their tires and get them back on the path if you want that to happen in your life. Guys, can you run it back just a couple screens? Run back through those five things one more time. Can I get that up on the screen real quick? How the man got, number one, recognize when you're hanging around stuck people. What's in your mind? How you thinking? Are you thinking stuck thoughts? Number two, you have to want to get unstuck. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be whole? Number three, you got to quit blaming everybody else for your predicament. You just quit it. Just quit it. I don't care. Don't tell me the story. I'll share you my story. And we'll all sit there and commiserate around the pool of Bethesda and remain stuck. It ain't their fault. It's time that I got unstuck. Number four, quit finding excuses. Well, they didn't. They should have. They could have. Just stop. Number five, and begin to obey what the Lord tells you to do. Amen. And God will reroute you and get you to where you need to be. Amen. Will you stand with me? Here's what I want to do in these next moments right now. If you're ready, if you're ready to get unstuck right now, you're ready, I'm ready to get out of my rut. I'm ready to get out of my mud hole. I'm tired of wallowing where I'm at. I don't care how it's defined. I don't care what area of life. You are ready to get unstuck. You are so stuck and you've been there and you're ready to get out. Right now, just like a car, just, just like in, in that tractor that had to get pulled out of that farm field. Right now, I'm pulling. The Holy Ghost is pulling you out from where you're standing right now. And I want you to come, and we're going to pray about getting you unstuck right now. Amen. Just come on out. Just slip out. I'm ready to get unstuck right now. Unstuck. I want out of this existence of spinning my wheels. I'm going to get unstuck. I'm going to get unstuck. I'm going to get unstuck. See, isn't it amazing how many, I mean, it's just, it's just the human condition. We're going to get unstuck, unstuck, unstuck.
Thank you, Lord. I'm going to be unstuck this morning. I'm going to get unstuck this morning. Thank you, Lord. Unstuck. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I want you right now, I want you to do some business, just you and God right now, before I pray. You may hear me talking, but this is what I want you to do if you're gathered down front. I want you, if there's anything right now that you took a wrong turn and you know here or there, maybe you don't know all your wrong turns, but if you've identified one or two, then you need to right now say, Lord, I repent. I repent for that turn that I made there, and I shouldn't have made it. I knew better. And if you were, you might say, I really feel like I was ignorant. Then confess your ignorance, saying, Lord, I was ignorant. I didn't pray about it enough. I didn't seek you enough. But you need to repent. And you, the word, I repent, needs to come out of your mouth. So before the Lord right now, I just want you to say, don't follow me, just you right now. Your sincerity, say, Lord, I repent from that right now. I repent from wrong turns. I repent, Lord, from, from wanting my own way. I repent, Lord, from having attitudes. I repent for blame shifting. I repent. For making excuses I repent for my mentalities that seem to just say it, it works for someone else but it isn't gonna work for me I just I repent from that stuff I repent from that stuff you got to say you need to say it out loud we need to make repent as as easy a word to say as the word bless me I mean it's easy if I were to say everybody say Lord bless me we'd all holler out Lord bless me if I were to say Everyone say, Lord, I repent. It'll get a little quieter. Come on now, that, that's the key to kingdom stuff. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's a good word. It'll bring life to you. I'm changing my mind. I'm changing my course. I want you to reroute my direction right now, Lord. I'm telling you, I am convinced that you can still have plan A. You say, how does that work? My life's pretty messed up right now. I, you know, I don't know either how all that works, but I can tell you I believe it. I don't believe we have to settle for B. I just don't believe it anymore. So you need to just get it in your spirit. I'm going to get plan A. Hallelujah. Here's what I want you to do now. I want you just to just stop the internal striving for just a minute. Just rest for just a minute. Rest. Sometimes when you're stuck in a mud hole, hitting the accelerator isn't the best thing to do. All that does is just throw dirt everywhere. Just rest for just a minute. Because God's going to get you unstuck. It's not you hitting the accelerator, working harder at it. The Lord's going to unstick you here in just a minute. I just want you to rest, be at rest. If you could have got yourself unstuck, it, you would have had opportunity to do that. It's not your fault. We just can't get ourselves unstuck, but God can. He can do it. Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be well? It's not their fault. It's not that person's fault. Come on, it's not. You, 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 we can always blame somebody for our problem, but it really isn't their fault. Nobody, nobody has, has control over my attitudes, my spirit, my perspective. Only the Lord does. It's not their fault. 
Now I want everyone, if you're at rest, I want everyone to say this. Just say in the name of Jesus. I'm presenting myself to be pulled out of the hole. To be pulled out of this stuck place. To begin to move forward. I believe, Lord, you're moving me from this stuck existence into a new day and a good future. I rest as you, by your Spirit, begin to pull me out. I choose to respond in obedience to the things you say to me. I'm going to quit resisting. I'm not going to stiff arm you, quench you, resist you. I'm going to work with you. Lord, thank you that even as I pray, I'm moving out of this place into my new season. I'm moving to the place where I'm being made well. I'm being made whole. My hope is coming back. My joy is coming back. My peace is coming back. My future is coming back. In the name of Jesus, my future is coming back to me. It's not just for the one next to me. It's for all of us. You've stirred the pool long enough for everyone, including me, to get in. I'm in. In Jesus' name. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Now, now, now let, let, him, let him work that in you. Because can I just share this with you? Because some of you are going to go back tomorrow morning to a place that you're going to say is your stuck place. You've you got to quit looking at that place as, as your mud hole and begin to understand that first off, your mud hole was probably your perspective and your attitude and, 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 and your inability to see God at work. And, and I'm going to just share this with you that you may have to stay in a geographical place for, for some time, but you're not stuck there in your spirit anymore. See, remember what I said? I think it was uh, Wednesday night. I was talking about Daniel in Babylon. And you know, sometimes you got to live in Babylon. Babylon's the place of confusion. That's what Babylon means, the place of confusion. Daniel had to live there for 60 years. Now, can you imagine that's being stuck? Stuck in Babylon. How many of us have felt like we've been stuck in Babylon? A place of confusion. I've been stuck. I've been stuck in Babylon on numerous occasions. Listen, sometimes you can't geographically get out of what you consider to be your Babylon, but you can be a Daniel in your Babylon because Daniel wasn't stuck in Babylon. Daniel found favor in Babylon. Daniel had a future in Babylon. Dan, Daniel was elevated and blessed in Babylon. He, he did, and he wasn't. He was thrown into a lion's den. And he wasn't stuck there. God, God released him and delivered him. There were miracles in Babylon. Daniel was only as stuck as he wanted to be. And some of you right now, you're in the middle of a situation, relationships, jobs, all kinds of things I could list and label here. And you're saying, if I could just get out of this, that's not what your problem is. Your problem is that you're stuck in the spirit. And if you just, if you get that unstuck first, and realize that God is not limited by who your boss is. 
God is not limited by who your spouse is. God is not limited by your relationships. God is not limited. I'm telling you, God can get you out or he can move you through. Let me tell you, God's amazing. But you don't have to be stuck. I refuse to be stuck anymore. In Jesus' name. Get that in your spirit. Can you just get that in your spirit? Just say, I'm not stuck anymore. I'm not stuck anymore. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I will refuse. I'm not, when you go back and you hang around all those stuck people and they all look around and they say, well, you know, we're all stuck. No, we're not all stuck. Well, this is just the way it is. No, it doesn't have to be this way. Well, I don't see anything going on in your life. Well, you know what? It might not be manifested yet, but in here, I'm unstuck. My inner man's unstuck. Everything I need to prevail is in motion. I'm not stuck. I'm not stuck at all. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you right now. Come on, let's all pray this now. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we just agree together, Lord, we declare that as a body, we're unstuck in Jesus' name. Lord, as you're unsticking individuals here, as you're pulling them out, Lord, you're unsticking this, this body as a whole. Lord, we're not stuck in a mall. We're not even, we're not stuck on Johns Island. We're not stuck in Charleston. We're not stuck in South Carolina. We're not stuck in America. No, 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 no. We are an unstuck people right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Freedom is coming. Future is coming. Hallelujah. 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 Come on now. I'm just I'm letting you soak in it for just a minute. We got we we're, we're doing great here. We can we can we could soak a lot longer. But you 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 need to get to the place where you know you're unstuck. I've been set free. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of our God. Blessed be the name of the Lord our God. Can we all say amen? So be it. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. I want you to look at each other now. And, and, and no, no joke, man. Just, just, just from this point forward, just, just look, don't let anyone look at you anymore and say, well, that's just where you're at. No, it, it, I, I understand seasons and places and, and lessons and all of that still there. But you no longer have to live stuck. Obedience. Obedience will loose you every time. Hearing his voice and obeying it will loose you every time. Something radically strange even at times. It'll loose you and let, and let you go. Amen? Look at two, three people before you go now and hug them around the neck and love them and say, I'm not stuck and you're not stuck and together we're unstuck and we've got a great future. You be an encouragement. Prophesy to them. Look them in the eye and say... Man, there's a future for you in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope to see you on Wednesday. Hope we can see you at Connect Groups. God bless you. You are released.